Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is the amazing Saint Sister, Gemma and Morgan, who recently released their second album, Where I Should End. It's the follow-up to Shape of Silence, their debut which took them from a quiet, gentle group into a fully-fledged festival act. It featured the magical Twin Peaks, my song of the year in 2018. I didn't realise until they said it towards the end of our conversation today but they don't appear in the artwork for Shape of Silence. They're absent from it. Something that's rectified immediately on where I should end. They're front and center on the cover in these wonderful bespoke suits, the story of which we also get in the interview. You should be familiar with where I should end by now, since it's been out for about a month. I'm sure everybody has their favorite song and might have seen Saint Sister's recent live stream playing it in full. I personally absolutely adore the closing song, Any Dreams. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear that track in full, in all its glory. I had this idea at the back of my mind when doing this interview, which was conducted a week ahead of the album's release. And having sat with the record on repeat, it's something that's only become reinforced. But Morgan is one of the best songwriters in the country right now. She's a chronicler of late night tales. See the vivid karaoke song for evidence. It's so real, like it's happening right in front of your eyes. And the beautiful hit of Date Night, where she sings, I just want to devastate you. She sings it a little better than I say. It's probably the chorus of the year. We're listening to that underneath me talking right now, by the way. You say I hope you don't That's not to mention the opener My Brilliant Friend, which was influenced by Elena Ferrante's novels, Oh My God, Oh Canada, and Manchester Air, the latter of which was written around the time of the repeal referendum. Gemma is responsible for the sound of the album, which feels like it's taking Saint Sister to top billing of the main stages. I'll be right down the front for them when that happens. So as you can hear, I quite like where I should end. I think you will too. This was my fourth time interviewing Saint Sister. They're on TPOE 135, if you want to scroll all the way back and listen to that one. 
I talked to them for a special Culture Night episode a few years ago alongside Dahi, Rady Pete and Innie Kay. And I did an interview with Saint Sister for their fan club in the middle of lockdown last year. Both of those are on the internet if you search them. You shouldn't have to search too hard either. So here is first Gemma and then Morgan on The Point of Everything. Congratulations on the new album. How are you feeling a week out from its release? Thank you. I'm just excited to, to get it out there. You've know, been sitting on it for a while, given everything that's happened this year. Sitting on it for longer than we planned. And it's been great. Lovely sharing like singles and sort of snippets of it here and there. But it feels like the the full release is like the final, you know, it's like the jigsaw. I'm excited for like it all to make sense to everyone other than us. <laughs> Hopefully. Did you have it actually done uh, like ready to go last year and then you just decided because of circumstances like maybe now is not the right time to release it? We had it all ready to go and it's not we had a plan that we then kind of upended. We just didn't really have a plan yet. And then it became almost impossible to make a plan with um, the way the world went. So I think, yeah, when everything happened, it just felt like we should take a, a minute and kind of see how everything was going to fall and and it seemed like just everything was changing obviously in everybody's day-to-day life but in the way the industry worked and and uh, how do you promote a record if you can't play live shows but that's all changed and now we know how to do that and it's by live streams and um being very good at social media which we're not but um yeah it's it's it, it was a strange time kind of holding off and kind of um seeing what was going to happen but I'm really glad that we're eventually we're at this stage and that it's going to be out there and that we can kind of move on from it because it is it just they live in your head for too long I think and and it's it's about time that they're like somebody else's now. Did you have to think like okay let's just put it out in uh, June 2021 let's just be done with it? It just seemed after a certain amount of time it felt like we couldn't wait any longer and I haven't been able to really write anything more since since we finished the the last record and I I don't I think that's a little bit to do with the world that we're in at the moment and that it's a kind of less inspiring place in general for me anyway but also I think before the songs are out there they they just kind of occupy the space in your head and then they they take on a new life when when other people can enjoy them and listen to them and they haven't been able to do that yet so I almost feel like there's a little bit of a block so um yeah, yeah at a certain point last year we just thought we better get this out there and and the longer you sit on them as well the older they sound to you and the less in love with them you are and the less happy you are with them so I don't we didn't want to get to a stage where we were kind of starting to resent the songs (laughs) never a good idea a week out from its release being (laughs) yeah yeah resentful (laughs) um does it feel different releasing the second album like can you relate to the cliche of the difficult second album and all that it feels really different, but I guess everything we're doing is like the first album we released in the middle of a tour. So, you know, or we were on tour and we were able to gig it then every night, you know, the night that it came out, that was our entry into it. Whereas this is very different because we don't have that same release, I guess, you know, of the being able to play live and find your way back into the songs that way. So that's kind of funny. We were talking about, I think we definitely felt a bit of pressure for the first album because we had released sporadically release things up until then so that felt like quite a like a big venture into the the first record then but the second almost 
um, I think we just took it in our stride a little bit more than the first because we had just done it before. So in a way, it, def- it felt like a, a different kind of challenge and we wanted to kind of push ourselves. I think we had that more with the first album somehow. I think so. I think we kind of set ourselves up to be these kind of slow uh, writers because of the pace of the first record. And I was almost so excited when we'd finished the second record and didn't feel the pressure. Almost felt like we had we were going to sneak up on people and that people wouldn't be expecting it and that all this, there would be no pressure because people weren't waiting for it. And I think that's um, not that anyone was waiting for our first record except for us, but like the idea that it came slowly weighed heavily on me. And when we managed to get this one together quickly that kind of dispelled a lot of the pressure for me and I I kind of and that's why it's such a shame that it did take this long even though it's not it's not been that long but I think I I felt the power in that that we were um disrupting a narrative that I had put on myself as a kind of a slow writer and so how do you feel about the first album now like almost three years on from its release how do you look back on Sound of Silence or or have you done that (laughs) Do you, do you almost like give it a give it a burial and kind of like bye see you see you yeah. sometime down the road like they kind of um kind of similar to what I just said about this album like the my main relation to it is is the the world it lives in in the like how we play it live that's our most interaction with those songs like I rarely listen to it <laughs> if ever <laughs> you know I don't think that that's not something that that I would do often that's probably just what happens when you when you make something and put it out and then it it stays there and it becomes like it's a moment in time you know and hopefully you I think like the more the more you do something and the more experience and you hopefully are progressing you you kind of have different ideas and things and I'm 100% listening back you'd be like oh wouldn't have done that wouldn't do that again wouldn't record that that way but that's kind of part of the I think you can you kind of have to just like leave it as what it is and it's a moment in time and not not to like look back in, in a negative light which I think every artist does or has the potential to do and instead just be like that was what it was at the time and if you're hearing things you don't like it's hopefully because you've learned how to do that better. <laughs> uh, Gemma you've already mentioned playing live playing live in the past a few times uh, are, are you like desperately missing that um, performance aspect to these songs and just in general? I am. I think at the beginning of all this, it became very clear very quickly that, you know, life wasn't going to be a thing for a while. So my way of kind of coping with that was like, just readapt. Um, okay, you don't do that. That's not, that's not, you know, just put your energy elsewhere. So I really did try and just put it out of my mind for a while. But we've recently gone back into rehearsals um, with the band and it's just been such a relief and a release of energy and I forgot how much like I think it's just a a way of coping it was like you know try not to put too much energy into that but back in the room I'm like holy god this is this is why we're here like you kind of can you know you're in the middle of a campaign you can kind of lose sight of that sometimes um because it's just like what's all this you know but it really did feel in the room I was like right these are the songs this is why we wrote them this is why this is what their function and it, it just felt really lovely to to have that energy back I think in particular because these the next batch of songs are by their nature probably going to be a bit more fun to play live and Mm -hmm. I have just been so looking forward to that and then yeah as Gemma said we spent the last week in in rehearsals and we're kind of moving around the stage in different ways and it's just such a an amazing feeling to be able to do that having spent so 
middle time doing that and I we've we played a little bit this year together but we hadn't rehearsed with the band for more than a year and that is just like I didn't I knew I missed that in theory but then being in the room I, I think it was something physical like hearing yeah hearing the vibrations and feeling mm-hmm. the vibrations of multiple instruments building something up that you've written is something mm-hmm. like that I just knew that I missed but didn't know exactly how or, or how it would yeah. feel to be back with them so was uh that practice session emotional and are you ready for kind of the emotions of actually um playing live as well in front of a crowd seeing people sing back your new lyrics <laughs> again it's it's something that just it was kind of like okay we're not going to get that with this album so just don't don't even go there but then when we were in the room I think you don't realize all the things you've been holding in or suppressing or just you know mm. just ignoring but and I, I'd kind of built it up as because it had been so long and you know it's a it's a whole new album so it's effectively a new set and um I had built it up as like oh this could be a bit of a challenge but the minute everyone were playing it's just kind of it's like everyone was because no you know every musician we've all gone through the same thing so not only are you feeling it but you're really aware that like everyone else is feeling it too that everyone's going god I haven't done this in so long Mm -hmm. so like that collective sort of thing I think that we all it was quite emotional just at the moment and hearing the songs you've been sitting on for so long and not not being able to have heard them live yet like that was a lot and then getting to hear them all at once mm-hmm. was really uh it was really special actually it was a really lovely few days so you kind of you're getting your purpose back a little bit were, yeah. were, you, were you finding that like your timing was a little bit off and everything that everyone was everything was kind of a little bit out of kilter or was it just like ah pristine back to back to normal that's what I was expecting because it had been so long but it was just that thing of like everyone just knew their everyone was excited to get back in the room so everyone knew their stuff and we just played and it was just like oh this is nice <laughs> um and in terms of the crowd I, I watched you know we, we watched the Sarah Richardson and James Vince McMorrow stream last week and that was the most emotional part was when it kept panning back to the crowd and just hearing that noise again of people clapping and cheering and I was just like god yeah you do just like we've all had to put that out of our minds for a while but very excited to feel that back again. Morgan I'll go to you for the uh, next question um, how how lockdown was how Covid like affected your plans you've already kind of talked about how it kind of delayed the album a little bit I mean creatively are, are you similar to a lot of other artists that initially found it very um, difficult to even think about making music making art and eventually you kind of like figure out the streaming and figure all that stuff out how, how was lockdown for you? I would say it, it is it started difficult in terms of um, writing and, and um, finding creative moments and, and stayed difficult and never really got um, I haven't really in terms of that specific thing about of writing and which is one of the most important parts of our jobs yeah it's just been really it's really difficult and I feel like I never really knew what 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 had to be in place for me to be able to write a song before and now that it's gone I know what it is and it's conversations with people and and particularly late night conversations and the kind of ones that you can't plan for and that you don't um, imagine happening and that catch you off guard and I am having fun but there's so so much um less of those kind of things happening where you you meet somebody in the bathroom and they say something killer to you and you'd like write it down immediately and and try and put it in a song I just really really 
I'm starved of that and and I find it really hard I have written a little bit but they've all kind of sat in the same world and they all feel like about the same thing and they could almost be all the same song which um is a little bit disheartening but it has been amazing in other ways in that we spent a lot of time thinking about the other parts of this album and like how to release it and how to promote it and what um how to build the visual world around it whether that was the um album artwork which we worked with Elias and Josh on or the videos which we worked with algorithm on and we would never have had the the time or this mental space to think about appearing in the video was the way we have this year because it just wasn't something that was on our radar and and I guess sometime last year we decided that we wanted to do that and to step up but then actually doing the thing was so was so much of there was so much there to to step up to we just we we kind of went on a journey and I don't think we would have done that had we not had the space and the, the time away from touring so that it's been productive in that sense and I also like being in my own bed every night and 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 kind of sometimes I love touring and I miss it a lot but when we were touring I complained about it non-stop so in in some ways it's been it's been lovely but for in terms of uh writing it's been pretty hard and uh Gemma just in terms of like what you lost from lockdown like obviously that US tour with Keen is it easy to kind of rue missing that sort of thing but also like Morgan was just saying just the you know getting to focus on the band sort of thing like where where do you kind of find the the level for that of kind of um balancing the the kind of the good with the bad it was such a huge collective thing that happened at the beginning of all this that there wasn't really much room for oh we lost this or you know everyone lost something and like you know it was whether it was businesses or people you know it was just across the board I think it, it for me it just felt like you just it just happened and you know you just don't uh there wasn't really much point in thinking about what could have been if that had happened or what you you, you know you can you can so easily get caught up in that stuff in the music industry in general and it just it doesn't really help you know to think like oh what if that or what if this or if we played that gig or I think we just quickly were like okay what's where do you go now and and what can we what can we do like how how can we how can you make the most and I think as Morgan said we had time to kind of put a lot of thought into the visual side of this album that I don't think we we, it wouldn't have taken on that form maybe had, had this not happened and that's a real nice bonus we've also you know spent a lot of time writing separately writing with other people you know just um figuring out the other parts of the of what we do that that we want to get stuck into or that maybe you, you would want to do more of down the line um I think we both kind of threw ourselves into that a little bit and just tried to kind of make the most of the the time that we had did you worry like kind of almost the existentialism of being a band like you know trying to stay relevant is that something that you actually discussed like I know that we did our interview and you know that you've kind of stayed busy was that something that you actively discussed or was it just like we just want to do something as as Saint Sister do you mean because of the because of Covid yeah just just in the past year of like not have you know literally not having anything to do sort of thing for us it was probably more about the timing of where we were at in terms of there was an album there you know so it wasn't so much as like oh there's nothing to do no it was like okay 
there's loads to do now <laughs> because that's already that's a thing that's already happening for us and how do we do it um you know it wasn't a case of like yes there were the the loss of gigs was obviously substantial in terms of what the year looked like but the the next thing that was coming was like let's plan an album release so that was already coming it just was more of a, a, a case of how do we now do that given <laughs> the way the world is it was all it just felt like a, a really long planning of an album release <laughs> the whole time basically um and so congratulations I, d- I don't know if i actually said but like the album is brilliant i've been playing it loads over the past um few oh, weeks thank so you congratulations on that part every every track was written arranged and produced by the band is that the same as the first album is that something that you um kind of took on board for this one yeah the first the first album was pretty similar setup except that we um we recorded in a different studio and the first time around, we kind of co-produced uh, everything with Alex Ryan, who engineered for us last time. Um, and we kind of just went into that. You know, we did, we did the first EP and, and everything before that with him as well. And yeah, we just kind of developed this this dynamic uh, in the studio with the three of us. And so we were kind of, yeah, calling that like a co-production. But we knew we wanted to change that up this time. And um, we did spend a bit of time thinking about other producers or maybe bringing someone in or trying something really new. and. Yeah, nothing, nothing really, nothing really fit, and it, it kind of through that process, I think we realised that we we know how we want this to sound and feel, and and maybe we don't need that uh, step, and maybe we can just um, do it ourselves. So we worked with uh, Ray Trench, who's an amazing engineer, a really creative engineer, and amazing, um, amazing mind uh, in his studio, the Meadow in Wicklow. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a it was it felt pretty pretty similar to the the process for the first time around but we just wanted to challenge ourselves a little bit more with this one what's different about this one is Gemma taking on all of the production rather than just sharing that role and then also within that arranging so much and it was just so fun to bring loads of different people in and to see Gemma arrange loads of pieces for strings and um and then have them come in and watch her in the room watching them play her arrangements so um it was a much although a lot of the kind of the fundamentals stayed the same um a, f- a few things like that really opened the process up so it, it felt like a almost a larger process in general even though it was in a shorter time p- period and um yeah it was it was a different thing kind of um having other in- uh, musicians come in and and put their energy onto the track I like that Gemma wasn't going to say that that she didn't do all of the all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah, Morgan. yeah, it's my job to be like <laughs> Gemma produced it all. She arranged it all. <laughs> is is that something that you'd like to do more of into the future, uh, Gemma? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, that's kind of my like that. That would be kind of our dynamic anyway. Is like you know Morgan's the songwriter, and I it's it's arrangement really, um, or production or whatever, whatever, uh, you know. <laughs> music maker <laughs> yeah m- music making in general um so th- I love that I love that stuff uh that's kind of how I always think that would always have been like what I would have wanted to do but I never really knew what the job was <laughs> an arranger like is that a thing this thing but um yeah it was really really fun great um you're also self-releasing uh the album it seems like there's a lot of stuff that acts have to do nowadays like from the social media 
to like releasing the album and um, doing the interviews and everything. And that's all like on top of the actual music itself. Like, do you feel that the work, I mean, like I know that you've only been a band for like seven, eight years, something along those lines. Seven, not yeah. eight. <laughs> like, not seven. <laughs> does it feel like there's there's just so much involved with it that like you wouldn't even have thought of? Completely. Oh, yeah. we, we talk about this a bit where like, when we first started like playing music together, it was just like, if you have a gig, you throw it up on Facebook because, you know, why not? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But it was not like, it's it's a such a different beast now. And especially I think like, not to go back to COVID, but that's really amplified that because all of a sudden you're only, um, that's your only kind of interface with like the outside world is like, if you don't, you're not getting to gig it. So you're not, you know there's no in-person interaction at all or people aren't people can't come hear you they can't buy tickets to come see you so if it's not online like it really isn't actually happening (laughs) at the minute and that like compared to when we when we started like it's just it's a whole new thing (laughs) so I do definitely feel that quite a lot and it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to kind of accept because neither of us are particularly um although we probably spend way too much time on social media we're not necessarily good at it or it's not something that we enjoy so I think the fact that this whole campaign has had to be lived out online has been kind of challenging because you want to be spending as much time as possible talking about the record and and giving the record the best chance that it, it can have but unfortunately and rather than that meaning doing the thing that you're really good at which is playing shows and that you've like worked hard over the years to become better at it's you should have to be really good at social media which I know is is part of the job and and maybe we should have got used to that already by now but it, it has been kind of a challenging thing to get your head around that the fate of your record might depend on if you feel in the mood to to be on Instagram that day which I think was yeah tough especially given the year that we had that or that everyone's had that you, you kind of you, you want to be maybe limiting your amount of time on social media and instead we've just been trying to like throw throw ourselves into it um and I don't necessarily even know if that's sustainable because it's it's not that great for your head yeah well I mean probably don't want to even get into that <laughs> mental health aspect of it but that does seem to be something that like I don't know just talking to bands and acts lately like it does seem to be something that's weighing on a lot of people's minds um a lot of musicians minds something I don't know yeah it's just it's a new landscape I think it's and then this year it's just been even more challenging so um but what I, I can't wait for, yeah it's, hopefully the world will open up soon enough and uh it'll be there'll be less pressure on that that part of it anyway cool um Hopefully. so so we um have talked a lot about everything apart from uh, the music so a few questions about um the songs as well is the first song my brilliant friend uh, about the book it it's it's not about the book but it was definitely inspired by the book um and that idea of there being i love those um the Neapolitan novels um, of which My Brilliant Friend is the first uh, have you read them Owen? Uh, yeah I thought that they were amazing yeah they're so good um, and I would encourage anyone to read them but I loved the um, and it's something that I'm kind of obsessed with in general the, when you have a relationship with somebody and it's really hard to define and it's very um, 
conspiratorial and it's all in winks and nods and that you can communicate with somebody without saying much and that like you can love someone and hate them in the same breath and her characters are all just so beautifully crafted but the the main thread of the friendship between the two um women is just so fascinating and that that kind of their friendship was just so evocative of um of feeling and, and reminded me of of a few friendships that I have and um I find it hard to resist a, f- a few of her lines just just kind of made me think of of situations that I wanted to then like try and draw out in a song so yeah I, I think even she talks a lot about the idea of um losing the sense of yourself and and your kind of your borders falling away and 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 that kind of inspired the loose theme of the album of the where I should end and where I should begin and and kind of yeah how you feel in yourself especially in relate in relation to another person great um and the likes of uh date night and oh my god oh canada kind of give that similar kind of road feel i suppose to um uh the first album uh where you're talking about berlin and mm. making me think of all these uh places which you can't go to um <laughs> but, but was it written on the road was a lot of it kind of finished by the time that you actually sat back down in dublin or in uh Derry and thought about thought about this album was a lot of it already done like on on tour yeah i think a lot of um a lot of it had been done and then it was kind of just a a case of refining stuff whenever we got home um oh my god oh canada was written in canada and date night was written on the road in america and it was kind of a case of writing what was in front of us and i think that's why i'm so um lacking that kind of stuff now because the same room is in front of me every day and i'm finding it hard to reinvent that every day but um yeah a lot of those lines are like off the cuff or things that people have said to us while we were we, while we were together kind of seeing the world which was an amazing it was an amazing year or so and then and I feel like the album really documents that that time um and then going in and recording it in like a, a, a month session just felt it felt it definitely feels like it lives in a very specific world and that's why it's nice to close the chapter on Pitnoy and, and start a new start a new chapter great Manchester Air seems like a particularly powerful one that I'm guessing is already connected with uh, with a lot of uh, listeners. Maybe tell me about kind of the recording of that, how the idea of that came about. Uh, we were in Anishir at the time whenever uh, we were writing this song and it was the months leading up to, or sorry, it was the week leading up to the repeal referendum. And we were, I guess, just like everybody talking about it all the time and um, listening to people talk about it all the time there was not there was there was so little space to move away from that discussion and and for the most part we didn't want to and we were engaged in it and we were canvassing on in this year and in in Dublin before we left and that song was I guess rolling around my head for a little while and then it all seemed to fall out that week we were on in this year and I think it's something to do with we hadn't really put time aside to write in in and around that time but there was a, clearly a lot of feeling and 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 a want to kind of express what was going on. And then we had this week's writing retreat on in year, and it kind of felt like a bit of a pause and a break. And we were able to the song kind of fell out then. And I think just because we had a moment to step back and to and to think about what had been going on over the last um, year and years, obviously before the campaign started or or when it was starting. So 
yeah, it's a, it's a particularly emotional song for us, and we haven't had many chances to sing it live. So I'm I'm hoping that I'll be able to keep it together when we do sing it in front of a crowd. I think that will be partic- uh, it'll be a particularly personal one and 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 special one to sing. I think mm. in front of people. Yeah, I can imagine that it'll be a powerful um, moment. Gemma, I'll come to you for the next question. It's basically just about how great Lisa Hannigan is. I'm sure that we've already (laughs) talked about this, but she's on uh, The Place That I Work. Tell me about um, getting her on the album and what she means to you. Yeah, we are um, just, yeah, massive fans of Lisa and everything she does. Um, Her music and her as a person, she's such a beautiful person and... Yeah, we were really lucky enough to like, share the stage with her a good few times in the last few years. Um, we toured with her around Europe in 2017. And at the end of every gig, we we supported her and, and then she had us back up um, and we sang on her her beautiful song, Anna Horish. We sang in three-part harmony and it was just such a dream uh, getting to do that with her for a string of, a string of dates. And it's something we always like, just any chance we get to sing with her, like we jump at it. Um, and then this particular song, when Morgan first sent it to me, um, such a beautiful melody and it's so narratively driven. And so, um, you know, it's so led by by the vocal melody that anything I seemed to do arrangement wise, like instrumentally was, felt like it was kind of getting in the way or, you know, taken away from uh, the, the, the melody and the structure of it. So I just had this idea that it should be largely acapella and that seemed to be what was working the best and um then yeah we're obviously so used to singing in two parts but just you can open it up and get such a satisfying lovely thing happens when you bring three voices together so yeah the, the first the first voice that came to mind was Lisa and we were just so so happy to have her and to have her on the record is really really special thing for us Great. Um, I'll, I'll just stick with you talking about maybe the overall sound of the album. Like I was thinking there's a good uh, country tinge kind of in the second half of the album and you've got the pop aspect with karaoke sound. And then like on the second uh, last song, House Nine, the harp kind of comes back in and I forgot like, oh yeah, they, <laughs> it, it's like you were almost kind of defined by the harp sound in the first album. Like, yeah. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Maybe you were tired of kind of getting questions about it, but was it a kind of an intentional thing, kind of maybe moving a little bit away from that, kind of more into that kind of country pop kind of sound? I think it's so the harp's my first instrument. It's where I'm most comfortable, um, particularly in, in a live environment. Um, so it's it's always going to be a huge part, I think, of what we do, just because if we go and play a gig as a two piece, it's probably going to be just our vocals and the harp um and everything every song has an arrangement that's just that you know in the same way that people go to a gig with an acoustic guitar that's just like that's my version of that but at the same time I don't necessarily feel like because we're a duo and you know we're not like a five-piece band where you need to have like that's the lineup or that's the instrumentation it's kind of like you know when we when we play live if it's just the two of us that's the setup but if you go into the studio it's kind of like the world's your oyster a little bit and like you don't have to be like it can be good in a way but you know it's, it's obviously good to have limitations but there aren't really any you can kind of do whatever um and and on on this and on the last record but maybe more of this record it just kind of felt like I just wanted to like serve the song and serve each song and they all they're all quite different and have their own thing in their own way um 
hopefully there's a consistency there between them but uh I, I never want us to just be limited to you know what the stage setup is or or what like it's 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 a beautiful instrument I love it I feel incredibly attached to it but I don't feel compelled to you know only create music that's going to be centered around it or you know like with this like the strings are a huge part of the arrangements on this record and that was just something that that, that seemed to really lend itself to the palette and yeah I just didn't want us to be to be limited or, or kind of like boxed into any one thing in particular great yeah um I know I've kept you long enough so uh last couple of questions um whose idea was the suits on the album cover and like how did that come about Oh no, whose idea that was actually yeah. both of ours. <laughs> Can we both take credit? It's, yeah. it's gone back a while. I think just um it possibly I think the the kind of origin of that was came from first of all wanting to maybe uh be a bit more thinking about sustainability in terms of like stage clothes and things that you know, like clothing sustainability and the idea of being on tour and having to have something new every night or and how how on you know like it's just not really it's not not possible and and not um not very sustainable then we had the idea of like having a sort of like a um like a stage costume or you know something that you can kind of walk on and be like you're in you know that's that's the show um the, the idea of that was really appealing so we kind of had talked about that for a long time before we ever got to do anything about it and then I guess when the idea of and then also the idea of what just wanted to be which Morgan mentioned a while back like a bit more present in general and a bit more front-facing which we weren't as much like we're not in the artwork at all for the first record but this one we just thought you know we, we may as well be there. <laughs> Morgan you can take credit for the idea of reaching out to Aideen we uh, yeah, I'd, yeah, a big fan of her work. She's an incredible designer. And then um, uh, somebody we, we were working with uh, on that shoot, Kiana, also t- suggested I think reaching out to Aiden. So it felt like a lot of things lined up. And when she was able to give us the time and wanted to um, make the suits, that was just another level altogether. Because it was just so fun the whole process. So we went into the National Gallery and looked at um, the Yates sisters. Uh, uh, kind of archive of work which included some beautiful tapestry and um, gorgeous Kula Press um, books that they had kind of produced. They were so such talented um, artists and, and Aileen took inspiration from their work so it felt that the whole thing has like a bit of a through line of Aileen kind of looking at their beautiful work and trying to reimagine it for like um, kind of yeah for our suits so uh the process was really fun and I love the way they look and it felt it does give you a bit of a suit of armor I guess and makes you feel I think we were a bit daunted about being so front and centered in our artwork and having them on as a bit of a shield was like a nice first step of of feeling like you were you were kind of I guess it felt different than had we just been wearing our normal clothes. I think we just felt like we were putting on our suit to go to work and that we we were like deserved to be there and that yeah, there, there was a point to it. 
That's really interesting. Is it is it kind of um like not being on the artwork for the first album and like kind of wanting to be more present on this album? Is it kind of a sense of like just being more confident as a band that like, you know, we've made something great and we want to like kind of be the faces of it? I think it's confidence and kind of uh, unpacking a few uh, like misguided ideas about ourselves and about what people want and what's cool and what's not. I just, I think I, for ages kind of wanted to get away from things that were considered like pop or, or like very glam or I don't know. I thought maybe the idea of um, acknowledging yourself too much in that way was like uncool for some reason. And that like, it was much more mysterious and, and um, kind of, uh, it was a better idea to be a little bit more, um, less forward facing and, and kind of behind the music, but I, I completely disagree with that now. And, and I don't think there is a cool way to be and everyone should just do their own thing. And it's amazing seeing artists like C-Matt really do her thing. And she's just so unapologetic and she's so charming and so good at what she does. Like that is, that's so inspiring to me, but I think I thought, yeah, to be kind of like in this, like, I don't know, just, I guess less less yourself and and the, like hiding behind something would would make you look like you had a bit more integrity or something before. But I completely changed my mind on that, and I'm really enjoying that we're kind of more a part of it and taking ownership of it and and kind of yeah, it just it feels a bit more honest and a bit more direct, which I think is never a bad thing. you 
It's not that.